Yeah, you you don't want me to do this whole thing solo. It'd be terrible. I'd be like, well, Richard said he played Here I Stand. Um, that game sounds like it takes too long. Lost you again there. I can't hear anything right now. Oh man. Hmm. Well, I what I could do. The quality won't be as good. I could try to do the whole thing from my phone. Let me disconnect from Skype from my computer and try to do it from my phone. Because this isn't going to work. All right, hold on. And I can edit this. It's cool. (laughs) Fun editing there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going to be cool. be awesome. All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 29, and I'm Adam Chance. With me always is Richard and Roy, although you were very lucky that they're actually here at all at this point. Yeah, it was a minor miracle. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Hey, this is Roy, where it is currently, I look outside, it's currently snowing right now, almost in the beginning of May. Look, uh, that snow is the whole reason why we're doing this show. <laughs> My uh, Look, you guys, will. we have been trying to get a show together for about a week. Easter was really busy for everybody, and we keep trying to do it. And originally, we were not going to record today on the uh, 27th because I had to drive my kids to New Orleans to fly them back to their moms in um, Wisconsin. But I got about... 45 minutes into the drive and the flight was canceled <laughs> because of the weather yes because of the weather oh. in chicago they can't land yeah it's oh, like should... it's 80 degrees in new orleans <laughs> you know and um what what sucks is it was like they have no flights sunday all the flights monday are sold out so tuesday they will arrive missing two days of school <laughs> Oh, well, it happens. So, yes, this is us, Chance of Gaming. You can find us at chanceofgaming.com. You can drop us a line at chanceofgaming at gmail.com. That is how that lucky guy, what's his name? Was it Tom something? One uh, Brave Little Belgium? I think it was. Uh, yeah. Tom, Tom Jones? No. Tom Bergeron? Tom, yeah, I don't know. I tell you, the weird thing with that is, is like, you know, where I'm at, you know, with the podcast is I don't feel responsible enough to request a review copy. So what I would rather do is like, hey, if you're going to give away a copy, I, don't give it to me because I'll do a shitty job reviewing it. And yeah, whatever. Let's just give it to somebody who, who would like it. And so and I get really scared that, like, they think I'm keeping it. So so I'm like, okay, Tom, look, you've got to hold up your copy of Brave Little Belgium and a copy of today's newspaper. And see, although I was kind of excited because what was going to happen was Tuesday, there was going to be an Adam and Roy show. And yes. Yes, it was going to be great. I think you could, should do that. We could talk about Richard because he's not there to defend himself. And what the text I sent him today... I was like, yes, if I had a legion of production assistants, I would have them create Soundboard Richard. 
that uh, we could, you know, harvested from the hours and hours of podcasts that we have, and we could make him say whatever he wanted. So, but well, you might have to happen. do that tonight if my microphone, if if whatever's going on with my uh, my systems doesn't can, keeps doing this. All right, so um, I, yeah, we have a sponsorship from alterdementia.com, and we'll link that in the show notes because I can't spell it. Our discount code for 20% is COG2019, and man, he would love it. I would love it if you guys would go there and, you know, uh, order something, anything, and just so he could go, wow, Adam, thank you. And I'll be like, yeah, it's no problem. It's what, it's what we do. It's what we're here for. And uh, he has teased a potential contest for us for the future. We're going to give away something. Something nice. Something big and nice and scaly. But fun for the whole family. And uh, yeah, just just keep listening to us. And um, yeah, the next couple of episodes next episode we should have a bit more details on how you can enter what it is but this is just a little tease we're just going to toss that out just a little tease there right there so so what have you been playing richard provided you can actually talk and your microphone works yeah my microphone does not work but we're doing this by phone so hopefully this will work okay uh like i teased last time i played here i stand last week we did that for our monthly gaming day um and that's always a lot of fun we didn't Technically, we didn't finish it, but we got to a, a good stopping point, and the one guy was, I think he had 23 points, and you need 25 to win. So we decided that uh, I would win, even since I was in last place. That's what I decided anyway. I knew that I had a great comeback coming. Uh, but here I stand. It's it's one of my favorite games. It takes a while to play, especially when you have new people playing, and of the six of us, really only two of us knew how to play very well. So that slows it down, but... Once they got the hang of it, things started picking up and going faster. Um, and it's just uh, it's a it's a political diplomacy war game set in you know in Europe in the 1500s. Uh, I played the Ottoman Empire. I had a terrible first turn, and the guy that did a Habsburg Empire did a good job of holding me off. So I was never really a threat to anyone, uh, but it was a lot of fun. So here I stand. Have you guys played that one before? I'm very familiar with it, and I've almost bought it several times, but I have not played it. And honestly, I think it's a little too much of a game for me, but it seems like right up everybody, you know, a Euro gamer would like it, a war gamer would like it, and, uh, but I think it's, it's a little too big for me. Yeah, I've played with people before, and, and, and this time too, that were not war gamers at all, um, but it's such a good game that once they get over that, that learning curve, they always enjoy it. But it does take a long time. We played for about six hours, and like I said, we didn't finish. I think a, a, probably a, a normal full game, uh, if everyone knows how to play, you're looking at maybe a little over six hours, probably going to go longer, maybe eight or so, if people are, are learning as they go. But it's such a good game that everyone has a good time. And it, you know, in a six-hour game, even if you don't win, it's it's just going to be fun. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to play a six-hour game if it's only fun if you win. So, um, And speaking of big games, I also played ASL, although I played a short scenario. Um, Hungarians and Russians, we played a scenario out of uh, Armies of Oblivion, which I just got uh, last year. So that was fun. I played full ASL online with a guy. 
Um, I lost his heavy machine gun, which just brutal to me. Uh, but I get to play my hair and Gary and so I was happy. Uh, we continued on with ASL Starter Kit 2, which I've been playing with my friend Bruce for a while. Uh, I can't remember the name of the scenario we played, but after showing him full ASL a couple weeks ago, we went back to Starter Kit and we played a game that had some some mortars in it. And I don't think we've gotten to the big guns yet, but we've got mortars and other fun stuff now. And, and then I played a, a fun family game called The Quest for El Dorado. This is one that I got my kids for Christmas. And we haven't had a chance to play it until just last week, I think. Um, and it was really a lot of fun. It's a, it's a deck builder game where it's basically just a race to El Dorado, the city of gold. Um, and you have to go through different types of terrain. There's there's jungle terrain and I think uh, mountain terrain. And then there's like village terrain. And every time you, you play your cards, it lets you move a certain number of obstacles through that type of terrain so like if you play a three green card you can move into a, a a three green space or you can move into a one green space and then a two green space um you can't combine cards so sometimes you do just kind of get stuck and ultimately the game is just a race you make it to the end it's got some interesting uh mechanics that i liked in it, that to help people catch up if they get too far behind there's obstacles in the game that uh, only have to be passed by one person, and then they take them completely off the board. So that person sort of gets slowed down for the benefit of everyone else, but those obstacles also count as a tiebreaker at the end if two people make it to the city at the end on the same turn. Um, there's a lot of one-time-use cards in there. Ultimately, what it what it really reminded me of was it was a little bit like Mage Knight, except super, super light. It was obviously much easier than Mage Knight, which is heavy and complicated. Um, but I played it with my daughter and my wife and my, my nine-year-old just loved it. She wants to play it again. Uh, didn't play with the 18 year old cause she was at work at the time, but I know it's her type of game. She's going to play it. I'm sure we're going to play this one again. Uh, it's called the quest for El Dorado and it's got the board. You can flip it over and make it different configurations. And there's lots of different things you can do to it to make it play differently. And then I think that there's an expansion for it as well, but I don't know that. So you know, I, I was going to say, you mentioned Bruce a uh, while ago. Uh, yeah, he was the guy we were going to interview for the uh, Adam and Roy show. We were going to ask him all <laughs> kinds of questions about, about, about Richard. Plus, like, his handle is like, you know, Bruce Goose Barbecue or something. And I'm like, well, Tell me about barbecued goose. That's what I want to know. How, how do you yeah. how how do you consume it? What does that work? Okay. He's another Michigander too, so he and Roy would get along well, I'm sure. Oh, really? Where's he from? Uh, Detroit area, but oh, he's okay. been here for a while. Okay. So I I had I confess I had a little bit of sound issues a little bit earlier. So Quest for Eldorado. Uh, did you mention that that's meant uh, designed by Reiner Kinesia? I did not mention that. Um, okay. But it, Bears well to mention. He's a good designer. So the um, I was gonna say where I go and play trivia on Tuesday nights. Uh, if you lose, if you're the last place finisher, you get to choose a question for next uh, night or the next next session. And we our our category was uh, Reiner Kinesia games. So that was the category, and then the the uh, the trivia master was gonna research it and come up with a Reiner Kinesia question. Oh, okay. And, and so I did a little bit of research into his, what he's done, his oeuvre, I guess. 
that guy has designed more than 600 games of, wow. of different sorts. Um, so, yeah, that's. I just thought that was an interesting thing that that he's got a a, a game designer's brain for sure. I and yeah, I always say he is my uh, favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> I never get tired of that joke. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, we should get him on the show and be like, you know, okay, game number. 273. Oh, yes, the one that is set in the Han Dynasty era. I'm, yeah. I'd just be curious if he, if he, you know, if he could just, you know, call it out and whatever. I don't know. But, yeah. He, and, yeah, he is a big, huge designer. He would be a good get to actually get on. So, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of games uh, that I want to play that I've heard good things about from him. Um, not from him, but, you know, his games I've heard good things about, like uh, Tigers and Euphrates and. Yellow and Yangtze, which I think Yellow and Yangtze is sort of like a, a, a sequel to Tigris and Euphrates, um, but I've heard good things about those games of his. So, Have you played Lost Cities? I have not, nope. Okay. That's a good two-player game of his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I believe I've talked about it before. That does sound familiar. Okay. Now, I am interested here, you uh, played Dungeon Crawl Classics, and uh, I've been, always been fascinated by this game, and I actually own uh, probably too much of it uh, for someone who's never played it, and uh, I just find it fascinating. What, what did you think of it? So, I, I played this game with uh, with Mike at AlteredDementia.com. Um, he said, hey, come over to my house and let's, let's play this. So, uh, we played with seven characters so each each player had seven characters and um there it's all procedurally generated so it's all 3d6 stats and um uh i believe you roll a d20 maybe to get a uh uh what your profession is it's all just totally random and so you kind of have these characters that like I'm not really attached to this guy, but his his what he's he's packing here seems to be all right. So you know maybe I'll try to kind of keep him alive. Um, so you have each player has seven characters, and there were three players and the and the GM. Uh, so there were 21 uh, targets essentially on the field, and it was uh, it was very much yeah it it really is kind of a throwback sort of game. Not a whole lot of role playing. Um, but it's it's a dungeon crawl. So uh, the they talk about the zero level funnel in the game. So all of your seven PCs, they're all zero level. They're all peasants. So I had uh, one that was his his day job was cleaning out latrines. And so, <laughs> so he uh, one of his trappings that he had was just a, a bag of, of quote unquote night soil. Um, that he carried around. I don't know if he's looking for peanuts and corn or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, you uh, then go into the dungeon and uh, you know go through it. So the you roll a d4 for hit points. So you have a, a so I had a character that had a 15 strength, which is pretty remarkable, but he only had one hit point. So when he was the last in line to go through the door and then the magic statue behind him was shooting fireballs, he took one right in the back and was dead. Um, and so once you go through that first level or that zero level dungeon, then you have a first level character that you can 
you know, turn into a thief or a warrior or a, a spellcaster or something. And uh, he was talking about the magic. The magic system is also randomly generated. So your first level character um, might have a magic missile or you might have a sleep spell. And uh, each each one is a little bit different based on what it does or based on just on die rolls. So it's all totally random and you got to kind of roll with what you get. Um, so that's Dungeon Crawl Classics. So I, out of my seven PCs that I started with, I ended up with three left. So you, um, do you bring them all in at the same time. So that's seven. That's your party. It's not like you you just have them ready to go so that one dies and another jumps in. No, it's it's all at once. Oh, OK, so there's a. Uh, Seven, yeah. So, like, uh, there was the first room that we went into had a big statue in the middle that was shooting fireballs. Well, there were three doors off of there, and we kind of got um, split up amongst the three doors. So, like, the, we the there were scorch marks around the wall, and, and so I we were dithering about what to do about this statue, which was clearly going to shoot us. And so, finally, I just got tired of it, and I said, I'm going to go up to the statue, and I could go right up to it. But this, when I left the doors, when it shot me, and I managed to, uh, I think I evaded that fireball, and I just ducked into the nearest door. Well, after the, you know, the shit hit the fan, then everybody started running to the various doors. So I had some characters in this room, and some characters in this other room, and then a few other characters in this other room. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. I would probably give that a play again. So that was uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is from Goodman Games. Now, did you use uh, miniatures or anything, or was it more Theater of the Mind's Eye? It's, at this point, it was uh, Theater of the Mind's Eye. He, he said, once we kind of um, you know, boil it down a little bit, we'll break out some terrain and, um, and figures and stuff. So, yeah. All right, cool. And then uh, I've been doing a lot of role-playing here lately. I played with my uh, daughter and six other girls between, well, and a dad. So there was uh, anywhere from 10 to 15-year-old kids playing My Little Pony Tales of Equestria. Um, we played the first introductory, uh, you know, back-of-the-book sort of adventure. And the kids had quite a bit of fun, so we're going um, to keep going with that, I think. So... And it's, you know, it's, I don't know. There's always things that you'd wish you did better, things that, you know, or whatever. Um, so our next session, hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll build on what we have. So Are you doing, come up a, here. you doing a pre-made adventure from that one? Yeah. Okay. So we have um, the, well, there's the back of the book adventure. And then there is... Uh, down actually at miniature market i found the third module in the whole series and then when i was at game goblins which i mentioned last episode the store in little rock um i found the first episode so we have i have three modules or two modules actually ready to go and i see that they are uh putting out another one so, judge not by the cover. Apparently, it's the third uh, module that they put out. So now, Roy, if I can remember, I picked up a handful of modules for Pony Finder. Yeah. At, at Gen Con, I can send those to you. 
and uh, you might be able to hack something out of that. You know, I know the systems are different, but mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure it could work. But yeah, I've got a good handful of those. Oh, so. okay. So the the um, My Little Pony Tales of Equestria is pretty pretty light, and I was I, I was kind of trying to suss out what Pony Finder would be like. I'm probably it's probably a little bit more crunchy, I would say. I don't know. Is that I, what you've read through? Yeah, um, it's a lot. Kind of, it, it leans pretty heavy on Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and I will say it came first, and I guess that is the whole reason why there is a My Little Pony RPG. They're like, wait a minute, they're basically doing it over here, and look, people are buying it. No, 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 we've got to cash <laughs> in on this. So, yeah, it, it came first, and uh, there's quite a few um, things out for it, uh, supplements or whatever, and yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, but got the official one which is much more easier but i feel like the spirit is there and you should be able to pull something out of these modules easily yeah okay all right and then i played ikwazu uh, so uh, this is a i was hoping me? that you were going to make him pronounce that oh sorry <laughs> ikwazu yeah <laughs> Uh, so this is a Haba game. It's a, so Haba has it, they mostly do kids like young kids games. So like uh, my first Apple Orchard, where you roll the die and you move the raven around and and so they but they've kind of branched out a little bit into these more of these um, kind of family weight games. And so the Equazu is one of those. Adventureland is another one. And uh, oh, there's a third one. I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, Quazu is. I'm just gonna gonna say it's themed after Avatar. Um, in that you have these tall, uh, blue creatures that, at least in the artwork, are um, uh, swinging around on vines, and so the game board is has a dragon that moves on a on a kind of a little sled. So there's a waterfall, and the dragon blocks the water coming over the edge of the waterfall. And where the dragon blocks, there's a bunch of little holes in the rock where you can stick a jewel. And so the in the fluff, the 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 Inox people are hiding their gems behind the waterfall from the from the evil guys. And the uh, dragon is kind of is kind of their pet and helping them out by blocking the water so that they can hide the gems behind the waterfall. So each time a column fills the dragon moves one space and opens up another place to to hide gems and so uh as you place a gem there you're kind of competing for having the most gems in a column and in a row and so once a column is full then it scores based on whoever has majority there and then it also scores the row based on whoever has majority in the row so to play in the first column, you play one card of a particular color. To play in the second column, you play two cards and so on. Um, so you're, you're, you have a balance of, hand, of having cards in your hand and drawing cards. So you, either, you can either draw cards or play cards. And uh, you know if you place two blue, you place a gem on a blue space in the second column. Um, so that's Iquazu. So yeah, it's a family weight sort of game. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to pronounce it. Oh, um, oh and when you said Avatar, I was like Last Airbender, and then you were like, no, these big tall blue guys. Uh, oh yep. man. 
Yeah. I got I got excited. <laughs> so, uh, yep, that's a Quazu. And let's see here. Uh, played Villainous again. Uh, played a three-player game of Villainous. And this is where you play the Disney villains. So in this particular game, we played with Jafar and Ursula and the Queen of Hearts. And the, the Jafar player, like the first hand that he had, he was about 40% of the way to winning. Uh, he just got lucky with it. And so then the rest of the game was us trying to hold him off from getting to his goal. And, uh, and I managed to pull it out right at the end where, so like, it's a, it's a, um, an asymmetrical game. So like Jafar's deal is that he has to hypnotize the genie and get the lamp and move the lamp to the palace. So that's how he wins. The Queen of Hearts has to have turn a bunch of, of, of cards into uh, cricket wickets and then make a successful shot, and she wins. And Ursula has to defeat King Triton and get the crown and the trident, and then she wins. So it's it's there's different ways for the different characters to win. And so I managed to win barely because the one particular card that that held up Jafar got played and and so he got nerfed in his progress. So that's villainous. I know it's been really popular. In fact, it was like deal of the day on Amazon the other day. Yeah, did you guys catch that crazy uh, Amazon board game sale? I saw people no. posting about it, but I didn't even look. I'm, I gotta stop. Dad gum. They were damn near give, <laughs> giving some stuff away. Uh, they had. Uh, that Song of Ice and Fire uh, miniature game. Yeah. Like like the main box set for that was half off. Hmm. I, I got yeah. a friend that one of the guys that played Gloomhaven picked that up, not from the sale, but so I'm curious to see how that plays. You know, I, I talked about that a lot, and I had a lot of expectations for that game, just in the sense of the IP is enormous. I don't think I know a single guy that plays 40K or Age of Sigmar or whatever that doesn't watch that show. But yeah. none of none of them pick up have bought into this game. So I don't get it. You know, if somebody made a show of, I mean, a, a miniature game of, you know, Star Trek Discovery or the Orville or something, I'd buy it. I'd be all over it. I'm like, come on, guys, let's play this. Even though it's probably crappy like Hero Clicks, but you know, yeah, uh, yeah, I, would do I think it, but it's I don't a, know. it's a couple things. First of all, uh, the show's not really known. Well, the books anyway are not really known for for big set piece battles. Um, you know, in the TV show, there's pretty much one big one every season, and if you're listening to this, it's probably just happened. But because uh, there's going to be a big one tomorrow night as we record this, but it's not really known for battles. It's more known for political machinations and character development and stuff like that. So although I'm a big fan of the books and the TV show as an IP, I'm not that interested in the game. And the other thing is, is as big as it is right now, everyone's talking about it. It's going to be over in a month and then there's not going to be any more game of Thrones stuff coming out. Boy, what the hell is HBO going to do to keep <laughs> listeners after this is over? I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I signed up for HBO go for, two months out of every year just so I can watch Game of Thrones. And oh. 
I, I've heard that. I've heard that uh, they are preparing to lose anywhere from 40 to 60% of their subscribers, something like that. At yeah. le- I guess at, le- at least half. And, um, but, yeah, I, it's it's really, really big. Oh, you know, I, I have mentioned, you know, on here that I don't I don't watch it and, you know, I'm not like a dick about it or whatever. Apparently, like, some people have been dicks about it, though. It became like a whole thing of, like, oh, my gosh, if I have to hear that, you know, I don't watch Game of Thrones and I think I'm special, I'm going to be, you know, mad. People are all talking about it. And I'm like, ooh, well, I, I just, yeah, I said it that one time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's I don't build my personality around that fact. It's just you know I just said it like once and and that's it. But yeah, apparently people are dicks about it. They're like, am I the only one that doesn't watch this dumb show people are talking about? Uh, I don't know. Vegan uh, vegan crossfitter that doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, vegan. So just gonna say, what do you mention first? <laughs> uh, or and I guess maybe now you could toss in the you know i i don't watch marvel movies but maybe yeah. i don't know i don't think i don't think that person exists I don't know. <laughs> well more on that later yes we'll talk about that later <laughs> anyway uh oh yeah I, i'm very interested to hear what you have to say about trekking the national park so this was a remarkable game uh we did a demo of this and we decided to get it so it's um it, it's the the in the back of the box or inside the box it kind of tells the story of the developing of it of a, this uh husband and wife who kind of had a life goal of visiting all the national parks so he took a bunch of pictures and their son developed a game around it based on visiting all the national parks so it kind of feels a little bit like uh ticket to ride uh, because you're collecting sets of cards that you can turn in and uh, so, like, let's say arches, for example. If the arches card is available to be claimed, it'll have a number of symbols on the bottom that you have to turn in this, this amount of cards. So you need, like, a boot and a forest and a mountain card. And if you have those three and you go to arches, you can turn those in and claim that park and get the points that are on it. Um, so... It's yeah, you're kind of claiming, like in uh, Ticket to Ride, you're claiming routes, and this you're claiming a particular national park that I'm getting the points for this. Um, then you, there's also numbers on the cars, which is a number of spaces you have to move by exact count. So they go from one to four, and so if you turn in a one, you can move one space. If you turn in a four. You can move four spaces, but if it's only one space away from you, you kind of have to look around. Well, how can I finagle to get to this space that's only one away from me, but use a four-step move to get there? Uh, And so each card has a little blurb about the park on it, and it has the guy's actual artwork or photos that he took on his trip are on these cards. Um, So as far as a a family weight game, this is, I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of a top-notch game, I think. So, trekking the national parks. All right, I've I've got two things to say here. Um, number one, uh, what is you guys? What's your closest national park? The Gateway Arch. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, pretty that close big, to you. That, yeah, that big McDonald's thing. That's a national park. Yeah, it is. It's a national park. All right. 
did, Pro- did not did not know that. <laughs> when I think of national parks, I think you know like buffalo and bears and shit. You know, wow. Okay. So for me, it's probably the Indiana Dunes down at the southern tip of Lake Michigan. What is that? I I, I know what do you do there you know just yeah again okay I'm just shocked again I'm thinking buffalo and bears and now we've got an arch and we've got dunes okay well and if you notice on this board for uh trekking the national parks it's really kind of squished like the east side of the country is really kind of jammed together and the and the western side is really spread out and it's kind of to kind of illustrate that most of the cool stuff is out west and, oh, yeah, that's... and like Indiana Dunes is not even on there. And I don't, the arch is not on there either, is it? Actually, I'm not, yeah. No, it, no, it's, it doesn't look like it's a place you can go, but it is actually on the map. Oh, okay. It's a tiny oh, yeah. little dot on the map and it's marked, but it doesn't look like you can go there in the game. Yeah. So uh, you, can, you can see this in the show notes at chanceofgaming.com. Yeah. So uh, the various colored stones around there, you pick up the stone that you, uh, where you stop. And then at the end of the game, however many uh, stones you have, whoever has the most gets a, some a little bump in victory points too. Um, so yeah, that's I. I only played this once. This is the first time I played it, and uh, we just decided to pick this up. So I kind of like it. The uh, the other thing I had to say was looking at the map. You're right. The southeast is really messed up. Um, Mississippi's really squished, and I'm not <laughs> sure what. I'm not sure what river they have that's running through the middle of Alabama. I, I'm confused what that is. Maybe he thinks that's the Mississippi River? I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that big river is that runs right through the middle of Alabama. But, yeah, <laughs> it is. Plus, also, my favorite uh, national park is the one that's closest to me, and that's the Great Smoky Mountains. It's way over to the right. Yeah, Tennessee is a little bit further this way. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> this is not not geographically accurate. Yes, I want to know what scale this is. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it looks like, yeah, the guy's kid drew it. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, myself, it's like what I've been doing, um, going through a whole depressive cycle, bottoming out and whatever, and... Roy had a good idea. He was like, have you tried exercise? And I'm like, well, Roy, I guess you've never actually met me or seen me, so you would know the answer to the question. But um, I'm like, he does have a good point. Because it's like one of those things, what is it when you exercise? Is it dopamine or something? Whatever you get, the, the runner's high, it's actually good for like cleaning out the whole you know, mental facilities, you know, mm-hmm. all that junk going on in there. And it really, really helps. So... On Facebook, uh, right in my backyard in the little town I'm in, Madison, Mississippi, an Ultimate Frisbee League has popped up. Oh, nice. So I was so I was like, okay, this is like the whitest white sport I could think of. So, okay, let, let me see what this is. And, uh, no, no, I, I think up. curling is going to beat you there. <laughs> yeah, I get okay, but... Yeah, I guess we, we don't do that down south. But yeah, you're right. That is a pretty white sport. Um, but this one, yeah, I, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, my first practice is tomorrow. And um, so I'm going to have to, like, stretch a lot and bring, like, lots of water and wear compression socks and, yeah, hopefully not die. I don't and if think, I really... I don't think I've I ever really, seen okay. 
ultimate frisbee played anywhere except on a college campus. So my yeah, is it? my nephew plays it, like on this on a college league. Yeah, yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was at Vanderbilt, there'd be people playing it out on the quad the whole time, and I. Is it Wash U? People played it out on the quad the whole time. I always see people playing it at college, but that's the only place I've ever seen it played. Well, and in my text exchange with Adam, I mentioned that the all I know about Ultimate Frisbee is that one episode of Parks and Recreation where Ben played uh, played it with his office mates that he was trying to bond with, the young kids. Oh, was that when he was in D.C.? I think I remember yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look that. Up. I'm gonna look that up, and I'll link it in the share notes too, because I actually can't quite remember that uh, that episode. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch it and I'll dump it in there. Like all the kids he was working with were kind of douchey, and so he was like trying to trying to be one of the guys. I'm curious to see, because it's like I'm forty. I'm forty three. You know, am I gonna get out there and everybody's gonna be like, you know, uh, eighteen or or something like that, or twenty? Or even like 28, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, let's do this. Watch me do flips and stuff. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be like, out of the way, Grandpa. You know, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to go on, but I, I want to see. Well, I'm best of luck to you. Yeah, because, I mean, the whole thing is, is I could be like, okay, I'm, I'm taking a break. Time, 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 time out. I'm going to sit over here and, and catch my breath. You guys go on without me. <laughs> Are you okay, Dad? Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. They're going to be all condescending. I just know it. But anyway, I'll tell you all about it next time. So, oh, yeah. And the other thing was, is if I really like Ultimate Frisbee, apparently we have anywhere, somewhere around 15 uh, disc golf uh, uh, courses in my area, like within a 30-mile radius. So I guess I could do that. That's like walking. Yeah, you don't have to run in disc golf. Yeah. Ultimate Frisbee, you have to run. You think I can get a cart? Because I could do that. <laughs> Drink beer and just throw the Frisbee. That'd be awesome. Anyway. So, uh, moving on to uh, what's on your radar. The first thing we have here is a little difficult to uh, describe without hitting like Google Translate. You'll see this in the show notes. I think I've talked about this before. If not, uh, I'm going to talk about it again. And um, this is essentially uh, Mississippi, the role-playing game, which is produced in France uh, by a friend of mine named Christophe. I met him when I was doing this podcast probably 10 years ago or so on the first or second iteration of this podcast. I think this is the third or fourth one we're on. Anyway, this was my Mr. Sparkle moment, if you've seen that episode of The Simpsons. Where you like Mr. Sparkle? Uh-huh. <laughs> we're, we're home. Very disrespectful to dirt. Did you um, see yourself in a picture here? Well, it was like, um, no, well, it's not that. It was like I was searching for like looking for like a group of Mississippi role players. And one of the things that popped up was Mississippi Tales of the Spooky South, the role playing game. And I was like, what the hell is this? There's a role playing game about turn of the century Mississippi. And yeah, sure enough. It was, it's produced in France, and um, what the guy's doing, what I have linked in uh, the show notes, this is some French form of GoFundMe or Kickstarter or something, U-L-U-L-E, Ulele, I don't know, I know, I heard that laugh, Ulele, I don't know, maybe it means something in French, I don't know, anyway, 
is Christoph Gerard wrote it, and um, so I I stumbled across him, and I, I remember emailing him. I was, and this is how dumb I am, and this is how stupid you, I'm. Just I'm an American, uh, school edu- school educated, and so I sent him an email that literally said like I don't know if you can read this, but <laughs> oh, I feel I feel so douchey about it now. And, you know, I told him the whole thing. I was like, this is neat. I, I live in Mississippi, and I would love to know more about this, essentially what I said. And he wrote me back, and he was kind enough to say, like, oh, yeah, I, I speak several languages and read them as well as, Engl- you know, English, French, German, what, a little 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 Swedish, whatever. And um, Did he refer really to you as an English pig dog? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but he should have. Anyway, so we just kind of developed a friendship, and... When he came over here to research it, we met and we hung out, and I took him around to different places and and whatnot. And uh, he's been over here twice in the past like six years researching for this second edition of the game. And he's actually changed the name of it. It's not Tales of the Spooky South. It's um, something else. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, so I just this is really really neat to me, and it's really close to home. I really really hope, and I, I was great to see like how this was received on Reddit. He posted it in the RRPG, and people really dug it. And they were like, "Well, hey, can I get an English copy?" And he's like, "You know, that's not for this edition. If this edition does well, I'll do a Kickstarter." to do a, an English version of it. And people were like, you know what? I'm going to toss you, you know, 150 francs, euros, whatever, anyway, just to get a copy of the French one because I want to see you succeed. And I thought that was really, really neat. Um, looking at this, he wanted... Uh, okay, his goal was $5,556. He's currently raised $5,721, and he has 31 days left to go. So I should probably contribute to this something, anything, where I can at least say I did. Because, I mean, if that guy was going to toss him 150 bucks, I feel like an asshole for not giving him something. <laughs> so is it, uh, a, but is it a system or a setting or both? Both. Okay. Both. He, he, has, he has his own system called the Hobo Nickel system. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't role play so i really couldn't tell you anything you know about it or whatever and um yeah uh but yeah it's it's that and one of the stretch goals one of the things you get um the bluesman for a for 98 euros that uh deep south book another friend of his came with with him named uh edward and uh, he's a photographer, so he went all over Mississippi and Louisiana taking pictures, and he did this photography book, and they're actually trying to get it translated and published over here. I'm actually thanked in that photography book, which is cool. So I have a copy, and that makes me happy. Awesome. So anyway, I was just going to bring it to your attention. This is really cool. I hope, I really, really, really hope it. we get an English version of it, and I should probably donate to this anyway. So I don't feel bad. I can at least get a copy of it, and you know, I guess he'll just bring it to me the next time he comes over. So this is yeah, weird I, south then. Yes, yeah. you know, like weird west. Gotcha. I like it though. I mean, yeah. we played yeah. my RPG group played uh, Cthulhu for a while, Call of Cthulhu, and then I mean, I can see this fitting right into a Call of Cthulhu campaign. This would be perfect. 
that's that's kind of what what it is. It's that it's it's a lot with voodoo and like that. These guys, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of Europeans love like the Mississippi blues. I know it because of my job uh, having to uh, dub off stuff that will air at like uh, on a German TV station or whatever, BB uh, King stuff and all this stuff. So that he loves this stuff. And he's turned me on to a lot of like cool music uh, over there from guys that are that are doing kind of like a. There's just one dude he, he turned me on called uh, Scarecrow. Who it's this? It's like a hip hop sort of bluegrass sound. I don't know. It was really cool. But anyway, that he loves the stuff, and um, so it's it's you know Robert Johnson, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff around like turn of the century Mississippi and Louisiana, which you know Louisiana is really big with voodoo. You know, and so, the, oh yeah, and they also had the Rougarou, the um, the Louisiana werewolf. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like what it what it does. You know, if it if you like you you make your roux for um, gumbo. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I know. Anyway, yeah. If, to... if you hear any updates from this guy with an English edition, definitely let us know because this looks amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'll pimp it pretty big if he if he comes to uh, Kickstarter or GoFundMe or, or whatever. Oh yeah, that reminds me, Dad Gummit. Uh, I guess I'll toss it on like right here or so. Somebody sent me a link, you know, because I always rant and rave about Steve Jackson. <laughs> uh, it's it's something like, and I'll I'll put the accurate thing down here um, when I'm uh, editing this, but. Um, Steve Jackson Games posted like a uh, 3.8 million dollar profit or, or some shit like that. Something, you know, something ridiculous like that, you know. And I'm like, eh, well, that's the power of Kickstarter for you. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. Uh, anyway, it doesn't help, it doesn't hurt that he's got 12 editions of his games and they're all being sold at Barnes and Noble, so. Yeah. I mean, Munchkin's literally the game that will, it seems like, will never, ever die. Yeah. Ever, you know. And that 40K version of Munchkin, I think, was, you know, a really big cash cow. I know locally a bunch of people jumped on that. But speaking of Kickstarter, uh, in the middle of this show, a friend of mine messaged me this. um, The Men of Hawkshold which is a reprint of Battleground Fantasy Warfare's first faction. Um, I've mentioned before on the show that I'm fascinated by non-miniature miniature games. There's always been a few of these, and to me, Battleground was the, the perfect one. It's essentially, it's just a deck of cards, and they that's, has, that's your miniatures. You know, instead of like a base with a bunch of 3D guys standing up, the base is the card and they're all just printed on there and you have like a dry erase marker that you mark off damage and whatnot but you play it just like a miniature game you push these cards around you know x amount of inches or or whatever and i've always dug it and thought it was really cool so what i'm assuming is going on here Corey some samavia maybe i guess uh is restarting this system uh this is from you move games uh dot com and uh yeah they have battleground they oh yeah they also do battle for hill 218 which was pretty big about 10 years ago but yeah i 
normally not that interested in um, Kickstarters in general. I know, big shock. But uh, this is for a cool game. I'd like to see it come back. Uh, I remember playing a lot of it, gosh, like 15, 20 years ago, it seems like. Uh, they need 16 grand, a measly 16 grand, and they're up to almost $11,000 with 25 days left to go. And it looks like for about 30 bucks, you could just get the um, the one faction. But if you pledge 50, you can get the faction plus another one of the fantasy factions they have. And I noticed in the FAQ on this. Uh, they detail, like, which ones to get. And they also ask, like, um, are you going to reprint the, the other factions and uh, with this new art style? And so that, that will happen. But uh, I know they have, like, uh, Romans, Carthage Carthaginians, Elves, Orcs, the, the Men of Hawkshold. Uh, they have Undead Dwarves and Lizard Men and some other stuff. It's kind of like your standard... Um, uh, just fantasy fair, but with just, you know, a couple of things. Like, I think they have, like, a an army of terracotta statues, and um, there's a Persian force and, and whatnot. I don't know. To me, it's just, it's it was, back in the day, it was cheap and easy to play. You know, I just, it's, the army's in my pocket. I'm not bringing in a big thing. We just throw down on a four-by-six table. We play, and there you go. So, oh, that, so this is kind of neat. That was my question, the table. So, it is full table size, though. Yeah, it, it was either four by six or four by four. It was it was pretty much full table size because you're putting down like a full army with with these cards and like you see like what it comes with, uh, the various four. It's seventy six different units, like seven units of spearmen, seven units of swordsmen, lancers, bowmen, militia, great swords, blah blah blah. So, do they do terrain um, at all? Hills or trees or streams or anything? Now, see, I remember back in the day they did, but I'm not seeing any of this here. Um, and looking at the stretch goals either, I don't see it. It was just like the Hawks horde. You get dice and art upgrade and, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it, it works like uh, Warhammer Fantasy did at the time. Like, a, a standard game was like 2,000 points. You assemble your army, you deploy your units, and you give them orders. So... Um, I think it's it's kind of like Ancients gaming, which you fight. Uh, it's basically in a big open field. Yeah. Like you would you wouldn't fight anywhere that had like a freaking hill or half a forest or some ruins in the middle of it. You wouldn't do that. You would want to go fight somewhere in a in a big spot. So that's what it is. So it looks like no um, no uh, terrain is needed at the point. But I dug it. You know, back in the day, maybe it's you know I've, I'm looking through it. Uh, nostalgic glasses, but I'll, I'm probably going to um, back this. But anyway, so. I seem to remember so, demoing this at least twice at Gen Con. And if you demoed it, you got the, the cool dice with the dragon in the one spot, I think. Is that right? That's cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because like, they're doing a dragon with this one, too. And if you remember that... Um, I was surprised, gosh, like 4, 10, 20 episodes ago, we discovered a historical version of like this game with Romans and Carthage, Carthaginians, and I ended up buying it off of uh, BoardGameGeek.com. That was Onus. Onus. 
and I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. I have never got that to the table though, but that's no big deal. Uh, that's I that's like my modus operandi: buy it, never play it, <laughs> sell it, and then buy it again. Well, so bring it to Dice Tower this con this summer so I can play it. We will. Okay, we're we're gonna get to Dice Tower Con. That's gonna start being a section. But I need to hear about Donkey Con. <laughs> so Donkey Con is what I will be doing this week. It's uh. It's not a convention like you would normally think of one with vendors and all that stuff. It's really just... No, there's donkeys. Yeah. So it's it's really just a group of, uh, I think there's probably like 22 of us that are going to get together for a week. And uh, we've got a hotel room, like a little, uh, with a bunch of tables set up. And there will be lots of adult beverages. And we're all going to play lots and lots of games together. So I'm taking a week off work so that I can play nothing but games um there's gonna be a lot of big games at the convention too like some of these games that take four or five days to play uh i know atlantic wall from the grand old operation grand operational system they're gonna be playing that uh the big game that i'm gonna be playing is called uh, oscar let's 1805 it's a it's a it's a hex encounter game but it's got i think on bgg it says it goes from like six to six hundred hours or whatever <laughs> it's one of those games uh, and then i mean We'll be playing that off and on all week, probably just playing the whole campaign of it, and then lots of other games as well. So that's what I'm going to be doing all week, and hopefully I'll have lots of amazing games to tell you about next time we record. Well, cool. And um, who put this on here about GMT? I did. Uh, GMT sent me a, a nice email, said, hey, we're charging your card. That means that soon enough we'll be shipping Fields of Fire 2, um, which obviously put fields of fire back on my radar i haven't played it in a while so i've got it out now i think i'm gonna play it again tomorrow get in preparation for two coming out fields of fire it's a solitaire card game made by gmt it does a really good job of doing like fog of war and command and control structures where you have to pass on orders your orders have to follow the chain of command and you don't always get as many orders as you like um, but you guys aren't stupid either. If they haven't heard from you, they're not going to stop shooting at the guys that are shooting at them. So there's a lot going on. Um, it's a really cool game, and it's 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 unique. I haven't seen anything else like it. You you know you take the cards and you lay down a grid that makes your map, and then you move your forces up across the grid. Uh, Fields of Fire is army, and Fields of Fire Two is Marine Corps. I think it's you know basically the same mechanics, same game, um, but. So it's a good game. I've got it pre-ordered, and it'll be here soon enough. Now, is this uh, like a um, an ASL type game where you're running like a squads of guys, or is it one to one? Or uh, this, yeah, I would say the scale is probably similar to ASL. Um, your your units in this game are platoons and sometimes fire. So you can break off a platoon, send a fire team up to scout a tile ahead of you. Um, and then bring him back and have him rejoin stuff like that. So you've got, you know, you've got you've your your units that you're moving on the map are platoons, but then you've got your company commanders that command the platoons. And then um, some of the some of the scenarios are even larger. We've got like I don't think it goes up to brigade, but I can't remember how high it goes. Uh, but then you've got like your your heavy weapons platoons, your mortar platoons. Uh, some of the later scenarios that I haven't even gotten to yet, you've got helicopters and stuff like that as well. But the game takes place in basically three different eras. It's World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. All right. 
Yeah, I knew, I always thought it was uh, Korea. I don't know why. I always thought Fields of Fire was Korea, yeah. but I guess there is Fields of Fire Korea. So okay. Yeah. Well, the 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 game Fields of Fire has all three eras in it, and I think Fields of Fire Two is probably going to have the same three eras in it. It'll just be Marine Corps instead of Army. Hmm. All right. Well, what's next on here? Roy is feverishly painting Legion figures. I know I just got an invite to uh, the Mississippi or Central Mississippi area Legion players. So that's getting off the ground in, in my area. So what have you been uh, painting, Roy? So I've been painting the uh, uh, Rebels. And this is all spurred by a friend of mine saying, hey, you know, I think I would like to try that out. Um, so he bought, he has the death troopers now and the scout troopers, which are both, uh, elite, uh, units. So I, he's going to have to come up with another squad of stormtroopers or something, but he's going to use my Imperial half of my core set, which I only have the, just the one core set, um, plus some other stuff. So I, he said, man, get your stuff done. So I've. <laughs> I've been all my spare time has been in in painting uh, Legion figures. So, yeah, I just got done painting on my fleet troopers, and one of them, the model was messed up, where they had like the wrong arm and the wrong head. So, I contacted FFG, and they had a replacement out to me within about a week. So, I'm pretty happy with that, and I just need to finish them up. So, I uh, have been kind of individually priming things, and then so I've been painting figures individually. And so finally tonight, I set up my drill press with a little tiny little bit, and I drilled out the so I drill a single hole in the feet of each figure so that I can put it onto a onto a nail, and then uh, prime. So I primed like I don't know half a dozen figures all at once uh, this evening. So I, I need to go with more of a uh, an assembly line style of painting. I've been doing a kind of more of a boutique, I guess if you want to call it that way way of painting i'm just kind of like painting each individual one but i need to need to step it up a little bit more so yeah Yeah, i I heard assembly line is like the way to go you know you base coat them all and then you do all the eyes and then you do all the you know whatever that's kind of how i do mine the only thing is i don't like mine to all look exactly the same uh so like my fleet troopers i did two squads at the same time and they look basically the same, but like on one squad, I give them blue jackets, and the other squad, I give them purple jackets, mm. just so I can tell them apart on the board. I'm not really concerned. My biggest concern is that they just look halfway decent, and I can tell who's who on the board. Yeah, and I've realized that I'm not a very good painter, or I'm, maybe I'm not a very good photographer because, like, I painted up <laughs> one of the Wookies, and I thought, well, that looks pretty cool, and I took a photo of him, and it just looks like paint just glopped on. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, miniature photography is like a, a whole thing. I can't tell you like how much stuff I've sold painted and guys got it and they were like, wow, this looks a million times better than the photo. Wow. Thanks. So what I did to improve my auctions and sales, I, Amazon has like a light box, um, kit for it. It's basically about a foot and a half cube. And uh, it comes with like two lights, and you just you set it up. You put your guys in there. You put a background on it or whatever, and yeah, and uh, that's that's helped me out a lot. It it works really good, makes it look nice. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. And so I was going to point out. Oh yeah. 
eventually I'm going to get into historical miniatures, but I'm just not looking forward to the workload that that's going to take in painting up all those guys. You need to get that, that army painter stuff with the dip. I know. Or just make a lot more money and get someone else to do it for me. Well, yeah. There's that. Yeah. That's the way to do it. <laughs> so I was going to point out that the uh, the two heavy vehicles have come out now. Just like just released, I guess. The Land Speeder and the Occupier Tank. Um, and they are 50 and $60 respectively, the two of them. Oof. So, I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm thinking about the land speeder. I think it'd be really fun to like put flames on it and, and turn it into a hot rod. <laughs> you know, I, I used to live next to a guy that did that professionally. I ought to get him to do that to my land. Oh, speeder. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I guess uh, the next item here is, is mine too. I, I really want to make a, a portable battlefield, which I've mentioned this before and I've kind of thought about different ways to do it. But so like a, a battlefield for Legion is six by eight. And so if I take, uh, wait, is that right? No, four by six. Correct me here. What is what is the actual size of it? Legion is four by uh, six. Four by six. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so if I have. Um, yeah, four by six. Okay. So I, I think if I had three sections that are two by four feet that I could connect with piano hinges so they would they would fold together, you know, kind of in a Z shape. So I could fold one one way and fold one the other way. Um, that I think I could make something that would be fairly portable. So I'd be, I'd be toting around three sections that are kind of stacked together. Uh, they're two by four feet and connected with hinges. And then if I made the top out of masonite, which is like an eighth inch, it's a tempered hardboard kind of stuff. Um, and then paint that up and uh, with something, maybe with some kind of a sand or something in it to kind of give it a little bit of grit to it, that I think that that would be all right. I, I want to uh, want to build something like that. And so I've been kind of sussing out different options for building it. So if anybody has any, any advice on how to build that, um, you know, troubleshoot my, my uh, plan, I guess. Yeah, I, I've, I've looked for like a portable four by four table or you know a two by three something i could like put a tabletop on i just can't find it or they're like custom jobs it's like well i'm bob's portable war game uh table company and we'll sell you one a portable four by six table for only seven hundred dollars you know so i would think it it should be out there there should be at, at the very least a 48 by 48 foldable table but I can't find it, so. Well. Oh, Roy, I just looked it up. The, the playing surface for Legion is actually only 3x6. Oh, really? But if you, okay. if, you have, if you go 4x6, then you have room to set up your guys on the outside of the playing surface. Okay. Oh, okay, so it's 3x6, so that's the same as Armada, if I remember correctly. Correct, so. yeah, because I think FFG yeah. just uses, like, X-Wing is 3x3, three three, Armada and Legion are both 3x6. That way they can sell, because they sell those big mats for Legion as well that are 3x6, although I don't think they look that good. Well, so then if I made it 4x6, uh, I mean, that would be all right, because then you'd have a place for, for your cards and exactly. yeah. dice and everything else. Yeah. So... Anyway, that's that's on my radar. Uh, All right. 
And uh, you mentioned it here at, at the uh, as we wind down through here. Uh, Roy is far outside the loop regarding both Avengers and Game of Thrones. What films are required viewing within the MCU? I I want to say this this last um, uh, uh, this last Avengers movie, which I'm not even gonna make like spoiler jokes because yeah. dadgum, pe- people are taking that so fucking seriously they'll come and burn my house down. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, 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 would, I, I, I would too because I, uh, I'm, I'm not seeing it till Monday. See, I haven't seen it. I, I don't know what's going yeah. on. You know, I'm going to see um, it twice on Monday, so that's going to be a long day. <laughs> I'll probably see it tomorrow, but um, I want to say it is the end of a 22 film arc. Yep, is that right? There's been 22 that is, Marvel. That is films. right. And I've seen bits say, and hey, pieces of all those films. So when you ask the question, you say, what is required viewing? Do you mean like, this is the big, huge movie right now. Everyone's seeing it. I want to be in on it. Because I well, think I... If, if that is your goal, I think if you just saw the Avengers movies, you would be close enough to knowing what was going on. And I think that's okay. I think that's only, what, four movies that are actually Avengers. Probably that the ones that you would want to start throwing in, maybe the Captain America movies. Uh, yeah, and I've seen the you... first one. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Yeah, I've, and I've seen I one and two just, Iron Man. I think if you just saw the actual Avengers movies, you'd be close enough. I mean, okay. it's it's going to look cool. There's going to be stuff blowing up and people getting thrown out of buildings and all that. And so. I saw the first one. I saw the first Avengers. Yeah. So let let me edit, editorialize for uh, for a moment. Um, looking at the uh, the Wikipedia list, and I'll I'll post this in the show notes so you too can see the Phase One, Two, Three films. Um. Honestly, it is amazing that there's been this many films in a series, and you know they the viewing viewership hasn't fallen off. If anything, it's probably increased. Uh, the ones I personally liked, uh, Robert Downey Jr. was great, so I love all the Iron Man. Except I have never seen Iron Man three. I heard it was so terrible, I actively avoided. Is that the one with Mickey Rourke in it? No, that's Iron Man that's 2. That's 2, okay. Which one I've seen both of those. Right? 1 and 2. I haven't seen 3. Or was that the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 wait. Was Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 1? No. no. He Iron was the Man. Russian guy, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Iron Man we're the 1. Podcast that makes you, we're the podcast that makes you scream at your radio as, you drive, <laughs> <laughs> as you're driving to work. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. These three old guys that don't know anything. It's like, what? How do you not know? <laughs> That that was Iron Man's cut, you know, whatever. Um, I actually saw Winter Soldier before I watched First Avenger. I I liked both of those. Uh, My personal favorites have got to be... um, Which one? Thor 3? What was that? Uh, Not Dark World. The one after Dark World. The one with... uh... Ragnarok. I did see that one. That one was great. Yeah. Yes! And if you watch like the honest trailers behind it, they're like, okay, they hired a director who was known for comedies. That's why this movie is so good. And, you know, that's why it's great. That's why it has all these one-liners. Whatever. I like that one. I like the first Iron Man. I mean, if I just had to pick just like a handful, the first Guardians of the Galaxy to me was better than the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, all the Avengers are great, you know. Um, uh, Spider-Man was good, Black Panther was good, and um, 
Dadgum uh, Ant-Man was great, and so was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man, I heard best described as it's a heist movie. Oh, yeah. It is a... Um, it's a heist movie in in set in the Marvel universe. It's it's really really good. So I mean I I like a lot of them. You know, uh, in fact I just saw Captain Marvel like last weekend. <laughs> I saw it and Shazam. So I saw both Captain both Marvels. Captain Marvels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which I will say Shazam is the most family friendly DC movie I have seen. Do you remember the TV <laughs> it really, show? Really is. Yeah. The Saturday Look, morning Roy. TV show. Look, Roy, when I I was going through that movie, like, with my kids, and I was going, like, oh, that's, you know, Mr. Mind, and that's this, and, and I'm walking out of there, and I'm like, how the hell do I know so much about the Marvel family? And then I was like, oh, yeah, I used to watch that cartoon show. Yeah. That's how it I was knew. there along so with I, uh, um, uh, Jason of Star Command. Yeah, it's all those all those Saturday morning shows from the from the 80s. And that was yeah, one of them. I, I, I caught them in reruns on maybe USA's Cartoon Express or something. But yes, I that's how I know I have this freakish knowledge of the Marvel family was from the cartoon. But uh, uh, I would definitely say you know with you know Avengers coming up uh, ending. What is the title of that movie? It's um, Endgame. Endgame. Yeah, I should know that. Um, you know, it's well worth your time, Roy. To to spend a summer or something yeah, with your kids, you know, and watch the entire thing from beginning to end. I think the only actual terrible ones, like uh, Incredible Hulk isn't that great. It was kind of shoehorned into this Marvel universe, and uh, it has a different feel to me yeah. uh, than, than the rest of them. Uh, I, and I, I didn't really care that much about Doctor Strange. I did see that so. one. That one was, I liked that one. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, Thor Dark World. To me, <laughs> we don't that talk was, about that. That one. was <laughs> that was like when my my kids were were like starting to get into it, and my daughter loved Thor, but she was young, and like I watched it before, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, it seems like it would be pretty scary for a kid to me. It just seemed darker because it's Dark World. I don't yeah, know. I think Dark World is pretty much most people would say that's the worst one out of all 22 but uh and like guardians of the galaxy 2 was good but i like the the first one better but i mean that's i guess that's really my only criticism you know as critical as people were of black panther and you know uh captain marvel i went in with like no expectations and I, i liked them both i honestly did not know anything about black panther or anything about uh, Captain Marvel, really. Uh, uh, Okay, the only thing I knew was that's who Rogue took her powers from. Rogue took her powers from Black Panther? From Captain Marvel. (laughs) No, from Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry to to spoil (laughs) uh, Avengers Endgame for you, but uh, yes, Rogue takes Captain Marvel's (laughs) powers. Um but yeah, I just remember that from like the you know from like the eighties and like reading that in X Men and going like, who is Captain Marvel? You know, and so yeah, that's pretty much all I knew about Captain Marvel. But you know, so there you go. All right. Um, so yeah, and like I said, I'm completely out of the loop with Game of Thrones. But you know, hey, to each his own. I you know, I, oh yeah, the other kind of dick move. Speaking of dicks, um, 
with Game of Thrones is people that criticize it selectively. They're like um, mad over a sex scene from an 18 year old actress. 22. I don't know. She's what... actually 22. Okay, I have no uh, again, Richard. I have no, no idea I'm what a this big even Game of is. Or... Fans, and I've heard people talking about this. That the problem yes. is twofold. First of all, so, in the books, the characters are much younger, um, and they obviously aged them up in the TV show because it would have been even more uncomfortable. But I think a lot of the 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 reason people like Arya so much is she just she started out as this cute little kid. She was. You know, in the TV show, she was, I guess, probably 12 when it started. And people still look at her and think of that 12-year-old girl. But, you know, the actress is 22. The character is an adult. And, eh, what, it's it's certainly not the most offensive thing that's been on that show. It's not in the top 10 list, I wouldn't think. <laughs> well, it, that's the thing. Is like, it was, people were mad over this sex scene with, the yeah, what they thought was this young girl. But and then people were like, "Really? You didn't care about the uh, the twelve year old that was burned alive? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't say anything about that? You know, so yeah, that so that's kind of like a dick move. Is oh yeah, the other thing is like there there's been like a Christian take on it of like you guys shouldn't watch Game of Thrones because it shows titties and um. And people go like, really? They show like children being burned alive and stuff like that. That's all okay, you know, hands chopped off and all this stuff. So anyway, the uh, you know people just like to hate on things that are popular. That are like, oh, that's popular. Let me throw my two cents in so I can kind of glom off that. But satanic you know. panic. Uh huh. Yeah. Here at Ch- here at Chance of Gaming, uh, let's just go ahead and write this down that we are against burning children alive. Ooh. Just like we were against infanticide, we we're not for that either. Right. And see if if we were like a really big podcast, these would be T-shirts that would be available Monday <laughs> that would say like I'm against burning children alive. Chanceofgaming.com. It's a yeah. radical stance, but you know, it's it's one we're willing to take. And and we see we I did would vote on that before the show, and it was unanimous. <laughs> okay, I, look, I would get that T-shirt printed up and wear it to Dice Tower Con, <laughs> but Tom Vassell would personally throw me out. <laughs> Like, it's a joke, it's a joke. And it's like, nobody listens to your show, get out of here. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Please love us. So, <laughs> No, Tom, we love you. Uh, I guess the only other thing, since we're talking about popular things, uh, Star Trek Discovery just ended its second season. I had to think. Um, and The Orville just finished its third. Both finished fantastically. And so strong, and I cannot recommend those enough. I did start you know, watching the Orville. I'm into the first season now. It's good. I mean, it gets to me. It just gets better. the The further along it goes, it just gets better, and I I really really dig it. And uh, Discovery, the way it ended its second season, all the haters, all the questions, all the bitching and moaning, all the canon, all that stuff should be silenced. Done. Resolved. And I cannot wait to see where it goes in the third season because of the way it ends. So, anyway. Speaking of burning children alive, we're going to be at Dice Tower Con <laughs> in, uh, Jul- in what, July in uh, Florida where you could possibly burn alive because it's very um, 
very, very uh, hot down there. And I've actually started planning it. My brother lives there, so my kids are going to get to see their uncle, and, um, you know, we're looking, they're going to go to various parks and whatnot and zoos and shit, and uh, I'm going to be at Dice Tower Con. So I kind of want to start doing a segment on the show and uh, kind of talking about it and, like, what are our expectations? You know, what are we going to do? What are we looking to play? You know, all this stuff. And um, with, like, where we are right now, I think Roy is the only Dice Tower veteran. Am I right? Yes. And you went to the one in Orlando, yep. yes? So I've Not... been there okay. three times now. Wow, really? Okay, in a row? Uh, no, two in a row. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, no, if you said like 37 in a row, um, 37, I say we're... sorry, yeah, <laughs> try not to go to Dice Tower Con as you go through the parking lot. Anyway, um, I'm a little disappointed, uh, that we're about two, what, about two months out? What is this? April, May, June, July. Okay. About two, three months out and they have no guests up for 2019. What do you mean? The only, well, I, I'm looking at Dice Tower con.com and it's showing me the 2018 guests. Oh, okay. I got you. Rob Davio did He is a plaid Davio? hat guy. So our our friend um Oh man, I'm going to lose the name now. The that uh did Pomenots is a a colleague uh, of his. Yes. Uh he also did My Mystics and all that fun stuff. And Tom Vassell wears a fedora? Uh, he, okay. Well, so uh, one time Wait, I said, Tom, how many hats do you own? He said about 40. So he has 40 different hats that he just All right, so chooses th- between. So uh, the Dice Tower people will be there. How many people show up to this con, Roy? Uh, it's probably about 3,000, something like that. Okay. So, uh, and okay, this is always weird to me. All right, I... For the longest time, I only did local cons in uh, Mississippi. So if you had like eight, nine hundred people, that was a shitload of people. Uh, I went to Gen Con and my mind was completely blown. So and then I've been to a couple anime conventions and stuff like that that have like six, seven thousand people. So okay, <clears throat> so I would say this is kind of an average gaming convention, maybe <coughs> size wise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I see Richard Borg was there. Okay. In 2018. and uh, So he was going to run some um, uh, Memoir 44 stuff there, and I was hoping to get involved in that, and I just didn't. I, I really wanted to play the D-Day uh, scenario that he I've played before. Well, he's got that. It's fun. He's got that new Space one coming out soon, too. Oh yeah, yeah. The command the command and color system is great. I highly highly recommend it. And um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm looking at like the events and stuff for it. I do not know if these are actually uh, 2018 events or if they're 2019. I don't know. I just see a lot of demos and and different stuff. Anyway, uh, so I so I dropped a link into our doc there to the board game geek scheduling um, thread essentially where people will bring games and you can kind of, if there's something you want to play, you can, so it's very kind of informal as far as who's going to, who's going to bring what. And, um, you just say, Hey, I'd like to play. And then you get added to the list. So I, um, I'm wondering if we want to 
if the three of us want to find a game that we all would want to play and uh, sign up for it together. That would be cool. Um, that would, yeah. Uh, I think I, another thing is, you know, can we interview people or whatever? This is very similar to um, Board Game Geek Con. They ran a, a thing like this. And, and, and speaking of, I will say... Uh, you know, in doing this stuff and blah, 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 you occasionally run into some weirdos, um, there that, you know, you, on the internet, they seem nice and normal. And then when you're sitting across from them, they're fucking weird. <laughs> um, so that happens. Uh, yeah, there's combat commander boot camp. That looks cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to live go through this, but yeah, we'll actually absolutely do this, I guess, offline. And, uh, at least off the show and and try to come up with like what we want to do i know like for me i i'm still wanting to do like a demo of like root you mm -hmm. know i know as basic as that is at the moment you know and i made the mistake at uh board game geek con of like wanting to do like war games well they aren't that friend aren't that friendly not everybody but about 50 percent aren't that friendly to dummies that don't know the system and they literally want to sit there and play. If this game takes 16 hours to play, you know, it, we're going to be here for 16 hours. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, you know, my ADD and whatnot. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I get hungry and they're like, whatever, eat your dead. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to be real careful with that. And, yeah, I'll figure it out. I, I may just kind of stay Euro, Euro, um, you know, gyro, ever how you pronounce it. So... As far as, like, I was thinking about Legion. I, I could bring my figures. I won't have any way to, like, bring any terrain or anything. Um, I, I don't know if it's if it's worth it uh, to do, like, a miniature game. I don't know if... Do they have space for it? Yeah. Is oh, there's there plenty of space. There? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, I, I, I will say another thing we could do is let's pick one night to go out to eat somewhere in Orlando. Okay, yep. You know, go out to eat and drink someplace, whatever. And uh, that might be This fun. is pretty close and to downtown know, Disney, too. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, again, like, at this thing, I, I'm very interested in engaging with um, listeners, too. You know, I'd love to meet you guys and see what you think, you know. And um, if you're tired of uh, me not being able to pronounce anything and um, not knowing, you know, who's Captain America's third cousin was, um, yeah, just let me know. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to bring some games for sure. Maybe me and Rich can do – oh, yeah, Rich is going to bring my uh, my shirt. I'm expecting – he'll be wearing it. It's <laughs> probably a thing. You're going to get a T-shirt uh, like, with a marker, what, this... uh, magic marker that says ASL on it. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be hysterical. Um, yeah, see, now I want to print up the um, chanceofgaming.com. We are against emphasize. <laughs> burning children. Burning children. Uh, you know, it's I, I've joked about it on Twitter, but I kind of really want to do it. Uh, do a guerrilla-style podcast where I'm like, hey, guys, uh, let's meet on the third floor landing, and we're going to do a show. <laughs> You know, basically where it's like, well, we just sit around, we talk about what we played or whatever, and then the next, that night or the next day before the con, I can upload it. 
and uh, that might be fun. Or it could just never, you know, never happen or whatever, but uh, yeah, it'd just be entertaining. But okay. But from here on out, we're actually going to cover Dice Tower on on the uh, the show. Talk about it, like what we're interested in, and you know who who's the guest is, and and whatnot. And yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to go. Although it's going to be like an 11 hour drive for me. And uh, with now, Rich, you're driving too, right? Children. Yes. Okay. Yep, I'll be there, and my 18 year old daughter's coming with me. So. How many hour drive is it for you from St. Louis? Uh, I'm it, curious. It's going to be a lot, probably 12 to 14 or something like that. It'll take a while to get down there. So we're going to come. Okay. We're going to come early. Yeah, I, that's that's the thing is, uh, if everything works out with my family, I will probably be there the weekend before, like the uh, the first or so that come in that weekend, because like yeah, I'm gonna hang out with my brother. You know, before I dump my kids off on him, which I mean, he loves it anyway. I usually send him down there for a week anyway, and so he doesn't care. Um, but yeah, they'll go to I think Disney one day, uh, Universal one day, and a water park one day is is the other one. We're looking at buying tickets and stuff now. But yeah, so you guys are staying in the hotel. I am. I'm not. We're we're okay. doing Airbnb. Okay, Richard's sleeping in his car outside. <laughs> So, all right, but yeah, this is gonna be cool. We're gonna meet for the first time. It's, it's I'm I'm getting I'm getting really excited about it, and I'm I'm starting to plan. So, we'll we'll keep this section in. So, uh, moving on, the first thing we have in news is uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting uh, re- article from ICV2 with uh, founders of Gloomhaven and the Halo Effect. Are you guys familiar with like the the Halo Effect? No. No, it's uh, apparently like uh, it's let me pull up the uh, it's the the halo effect is a form of immediate judgment discrepancy. We tend to use concrete information about something to ascribe ambiguous information to the same thing. For example, uh, beautiful equals good. Ugly equals bad. We see someone who we feel, according to our standards, is beautiful or handsome and often ascribe positive characteristics uh, to them. And so uh, you get things like with uh, Halo, where Halo is good, and so every iteration of it is going to be good. And uh, that's not uh, true. And anyway, what this article is, is founders of Gloomhaven is not selling well. No, there's and, uh, uh, at my friendly local gaming store. There's like several copies on the clearance rack, and they've been there forever. There's one in the consignment at our at mine that somebody has played and then returned, saying, "Hey, I don't like this. I want to get rid of it." <laughs> well, I Double think consigned. like the the main. I think the main reason why it's a different type of game. Uh, the gameplay is is so radically different, and it talks about that, you know, uh, in this article. I just thought it was just just kind of neat because like Gloomhaven is so big, it's still on like number five on the hotness two years after its 2017 release. So, and where Founders is currently, as when the guy wrote this article, is ranked at 1,415. So, I've actually kind of been interested in it, you know. Uh, I just I saw like what the the pieces looked like and I thought they looked cool. I honestly do not know how the game played. I mean, I knew 
it wasn't uh you know like a dungeon crawler like gloomhaven was uh, i i just knew it was uh, some kind of like worker placement or, or something like that i liked the board i liked the components i liked how it looked um and in fact i think i've almost tried to buy it at one point and i guess i'm glad i didn't cuz apparently you know they're fucking giving it away here what they mentioned in the article was you several places are doing Buy a copy of Gloomhaven, get a copy of Founders of Gloomhaven for free. <laughs> Which that seems silly to me, too, because it's not like they're having trouble selling Gloomhaven. Yeah. I don't know. Just thought it was interesting, you know, just the the halo effect at, at all. But, you know, I don't know what it is. Anyway. The next thing we had, um, there are specialists for Star Wars Legion in the form of do-backs. And I think we've mentioned this on the show before, that this, I would guess this was coming. And the uh, Shore Troopers as well from um, that awesome movie called Rogue One. Or Rouge One, as people often can't spell it. (laughs) Yeah, the do-backs look Um, really cool, but the Tauntauns will be better, so. Yeah, I I agree with that. And again, I kind of want to do, you know, kind of a snow type based thing and one thing i was going to mention i forgot a while ago when roy was talking about the the speeders that came out i've seen people complaining about those about them being difficult to put together and being very small for what you get for like what what it costs yeah, you but said it's what like 50 bucks yeah yeah that's that's probably the most expensive thing that's come out so far i'm not even sure the uh the at st is that much. Oh, i thought that was 50 is it? Okay. I yeah. don't know. I'm a rebel, so I don't know. So it's just, you just get one speeder? Yeah. And it's about the size of, like, the palm of your hand? Oh, is it? About that. I thought yeah. it was the same base size as the ATST. I don't know. I'm, I was asking. Yeah, I know it's got the elongated base, not the. Oh, okay. Not the base that you see, like, on the, on the do back here. I don't know. I just saw I just saw where people were complaining about like you know it being difficult to put together and it being small for what you paid for it. But I don't know personally. But uh, well, we'll see. I mean, the Dubacks look nice. They look big and chunky. So you know, hmm? I want to bring them in my snow in my with my snow troopers. Like paint them white. Mm-mm. They'll freeze to death. <laughs> I know. You'll freeze to death. Well, I'll see you in hell, Richard. <laughs> Uh, uh, the next thing is very, very cute. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons are going to add to, you know, uh, the Funko Pop-like things. And, okay, I will say they look super cute, but this Funko Pop shit is getting out of hand. I'm reasonably sure it's upped the, uh, the heat death of the universe by at least a year. How is it that I don't know Uh, about these? Uh, well, not necessarily these, but just Funko Pops in general. But this, these are figurines of adorable power. A new collection of figurines that depict various D&D monsters in an extremely cute faction. This will be Ultra Pro, and there'll be six of them, beginning with a Red Dragon and an Owlbear, because everybody loves Owlbears. They're, Owlbears are totally hot right now, like Hansen's. Or was, no, Hansel. Hansel is totally hot right now. If I'm getting Zoolander correct, and uh, the figurines of wondrous power. Does it say what the other ones are? It does not. Yeah, I looked for that too. No. 
That sucks. I know my personal two favorite D&D monsters, and again, I don't really roleplay or anything, but they've just, just from pop culture and whatnot, has been the Hook Horror and uh, the Displacer Beast. Yeah, Displacer Beast. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, that's one of the all-time best. So what I'm what I'm guessing you'll get in here, I can almost po- almost bet you there'll be a beholder. Yep. And uh, who's the uh, mind flayer? The I was gonna say the tentacle tentacle face guy. So yeah, uh, th- I guarantee you that's gonna be there. But moving on, I ran into this because I forgot I'm friends with him on Facebook. Ulfsark Games, uh, who we've covered before because they were doing kind of like these... uh, I remember they were looking for a publisher. They had their whole game ready to go, and they were just looking for a publisher, and they could not find one. And they do these cute kind of little uh, anthropomorphic uh, animals based in kind of a feudal Japan-type look. So, you know think like a samurai wolf or um, a panda with a you know huge axe you know kung fu panda with a huge axe and um, they're actually coming to kickstarter in may it'll be the teo dynasty's war of the falling petal so yeah this is something i'd be really interested in uh backing i think because you know i think this is a small thing the guy seems really cool and uh maybe i can get him on the show to uh talk about these and um, I did mention to him, like, uh, one of the generals is a pug, if you see him there, <laughs> Wafutu Chakro. And I was like, come on, man, tell me there is a corgi. Tell me there's a corgi. And he's like, well, you never know. And I'm like, come on, you're just, you just don't like money. If you would have just done a corgi instead of this pug guy here, you, you would guarantee your, uh, your thing would uh, back. But I don't know. We'll see. It looks to be, I mean, I don't really get an idea of it just from, like, what I've seen him post about. It's going to be, I'd guess, between 28 and 32 millimeter. It's going to be kind of skirmish-based, uh, but I don't know. Anything could change. But we'll we'll cover that in May when it launches. And um, the other thing, we mentioned Plaid Hat Games earlier. They have announced Battlelands, the aftermath. What is it with anthropomorphic animals? You just think, wow. That little mouse with a crossbow just looks freaking awesome. I mean, look at the little mole guy. He's got a candle on his head. Come on. <laughs> it's just incredible. So this is another adventure book game, you know, that we covered uh, before with, um, what was that? You played it, Roy. The Oh, uh, Mice and Mystics. Or, I'm um, sorry. Um, man, I'm the... Uh, uh... I'm, I'm completely yeah. blanking on it. it yeah. That game that we talked about and thought it looked really cool. Uh, Stuff yes, Fables. sorry. There it is. Yes, yep. So, Battlelands. It is a fast and furious card game of turf warfare. Send your fighters to seize key locations or recruit even fiercer warriors who can help you turn the tide of battle. Oh, so... Use your... I'm sorry, this is from our friend Jerry Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Our close personal friend Jerry Hawthorne? Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be really cool. And uh, this is Battlelands. This is, uh, they're announcing for the card game, and it is set in the world of Aftermath, an upcoming adventure book game for Mice and Mystics creator Jerry Hawthorne. So, that eh, looks pretty neat. Uh, it's available for pre-order, and it's supposed to be in stores in July. 
I'll, maybe we could play this at Dice Tower Con. Maybe it will be released. Maybe Jerry you will know, be there and play I it. I wonder if this is the what he was teasing when he didn't want to say anything about it. He said it was sci-fi when we talked to him. I could see that being, yeah, this could be sci-fi. Okay. Maybe. Okay, so right now, you loyal listeners should go back and listen to that uh, that Jerry Hawthorne interview and then see. Could be, could be. So that looks pretty cool. All right. I and I'm honestly more interested in the actual adventure book part of the game, uh, the the adventure book game set in this than the card game. But this is, I mean, retail on this is like 15 bucks. So you know, you, I'm sure you can get it for 10 or 12 for miniature market. But the next thing we've got is Starfinder Battles are coming from WizKids. I figured this was going to happen, for sure. Uh, Pathfinder Battles is is kind of a big deal. I get annoyed with them and um, Wizards for doing um, their figures, for the most part, in its, its blind bags. So I don't know what I'm pulling. I know they make more money that way, but I would rather just be able to buy a beholder or whatever i'm not interested in the super rare albino you know jade shark or whatever you know uh, but yeah it's i know they've been do, they did do some painted starfinder miniatures uh that you could get still in stores but they're the same thing as like the uh the Pathfinder Heroes type thing, you know, that were pre-painted, and you, you could just see what it is. But the Starfinder ones came with, like, uh, ships and uh, space stations and stuff like that, which is really cool. But uh, with these, I'm assuming it's just going to be blind-bagged, the same way as Pathfinder Battles. So this is going to be like a skirmish game, right? Well, see, that's the thing. That's the same thing as Pathfinder Battles. It's a whole bunch of miniatures, and there is no game except Starfinder. You know, you're just supposed to use these on the tabletop. It's not oh. like a cool skirmish game or anything. Okay. Yeah, I know they did that. Those unpainted Starfinder minis uh, with Ninja Division before the game launched, because those were kickstarted and they looked super cool. And you know, they, I think it went for like half a million bucks or something like that. And uh, <laughs> apparently, as of now, uh, more it more than half have not received their pledges. And uh, yeah, so that was a couple years ago. So, wah, wah, wah. and of course, you know, Ninja, Ninja Division's in all kinds of fucking trouble, you know, with that. And uh, so, is that the Super Dungeon honestly, Explorer people too? Okay. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So. And, uh, oh, yeah, this is really cool because uh, yesterday was Alien Day, if I remember correctly. 426? As, uh, is that 426? Yeah, it's not 427. It's 426 is uh, Alien Day, if you didn't know that. That's when I think there was some free audiobooks on audible.com. It's just kind of an unofficial thing, and it goes from uh, LV426. Oh, okay. Which was the planet in um, Aliens, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, um, there was an unpublished William Gibson wrote, written, yeah, 
I can't speak or anything. Sorry, people. Um, you know, that's why you listen to this podcast, for grammar and punctuation. That's uh, why I do. It was a week. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, did we lose Richard? Because I haven't heard from him anymore, and I know he's having No, I'm here. I'm listening to you oh, guys okay. talk about he was, uh, Pathfinder and Alien and stuff. He was he was in awe of my voice. I understand. <laughs> it, happens. it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, so, anyway, uh, this unprodu- and I'll link this in the show notes. There was an unproduced script written by uh, William Gibson for Alien 3, which made it into a not-shitty movie. So... That's coming out as an Audible um, original, I think, for that. And that they announced that yesterday. But anyway, what this is about, uh, there's going to be an Aliens tabletop role-playing game. Now, just half of that is super cool. Like, wow, that you know, that's really, really cool. But what makes it really, really cool is the guy that did uh, Tales from the Loop, uh, Freely Publishing, Freely, I can't pronounce his name, is uh, teaming up with 20th Century Fox to do this uh, RPG. And it's going to be Alien, the role-playing game. It'll be it'll be an original story set within the Alien universe. It'll have an open campaign mode, cinematic storylines, and whatnot. So that's going to be really cool. Did any of you guys own Alien's adventure game that came out in about 89? No, I don't even remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I had it. Uh, I may still have it somewhere. Um, I do see where there is a tabletop simulator mod for it, and I'll link this in the show notes if you want to play this game. I remember it being kind of overly complex, and um, yeah, so. And I, yeah, there was another actual RPG from back then. I can't remember. But anyway, so this will be really neat. Um, it's going to take place shortly after the events of Alien 3, which means Alien Resurrection won't happen because that was a bad movie too. And, uh, yeah. Did you guys like Prometheus and Covenant? I liked Prometheus quite you... a bit. I never saw Covenant. I really liked Prometheus, so. Yeah, I never saw Covenant. I The uh, reviews that I heard about it said say that it was there was a lot of plot holes and yeah, I just never bothered. Yeah, it's uh, Alien has always been interested, to, interesting to me, uh, because like I saw the original Alien way too young and it scarred me for life. Like literally, I could not watch those movies until like adulthood. <laughs> I I had used to have nightmares like all the time of that that fucking thing. Yeah, so yeah, it, they've always had a special place in my heart. The comic books were really cool, and the novels were too. That kind of went out on this whole, ex, you know, uh, expanded universe or whatever. But you know, it's it's the same thing as the Star Wars expanded universe. It's cool, but it's not canon. So, you know. Whatever. Do you remember the video game Quake? Oh yeah, absolutely. I played a uh, an aliens mod of Quake, and that was one of the first times I had ever jumped out of my skin at a at a video game because there was one of the one of the face huggers had like gotten a, where I couldn't see it and then all of a sudden it was on me and it just I was so startled when it was there so yeah aliens is a great franchise wow. huh. um I'm reminded of uh around that same time period the Atari Jaguar do you remember if you remember that console? The only good game for it was Aliens vs Predator. Oh wow! That was the whole the whole reason 
uh, to get that. And, um, yeah, uh, I never played it. I've recently watched some YouTube footage of it. And, of course, you know, it looks super dated, but whatever. Mm. Uh, I always wanted it. It had a really kind of crazy controller for the Jaguar. Um, and I think the only other thing Alien video game related was Colonial Marine that came out a few years ago, which was incredibly panned. They had this... It's this dumb scene where um, an alien kind of dances into your thing. I'll post it in the show notes. It's so stupid. And somebody synced it up with uh, Walk That Dinosaur. So, anyway. I will say um, that other alien video game that came out most recently was uh, scary as hell. Um, The one where you're Ripley's daughter... I can't think of it. It's like not a shooter or anything. It's it's a stealth game where you have to basically hide and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn, what was the name of that? Anyway, I'll post it in the show notes. But it was really, really good and really scary. To me, I thought it was like a fantastic uh, uh, nod in the Aliens universe. This great, like, it seemed like you were playing the movie itself. But anyway, I guess the last thing we have Bacchus, which is known for 6mm stuff, is uh, putting out some Great War Italians. And I tossed this on here because I had no idea people were doing the Great War in 6mm. Especially, like, with four figures, basically a base. This is really, really small. Uh, And I will also say it's cheap to get into. And my whole question with it was, like, what freaking game, what rule set is for this? And apparently this is for Great War Spearhead. Yeah. And it seems like you played Spearhead, I think? Correct. It was not 6mm, but, yeah, we played World War II Spearhead a few times this in the last few months, yeah. But ours <laughs> was, cool. uh, I would want to say ours was, like, 18mm or something like that. There wasn't... It wasn't this small. Or 15. Yeah, maybe, Probably maybe 15. 15 yeah. yeah. But I remember even when I was looking at the Spearhead rules, they were mentioning that it could be played at different uh, different sizes or scales. Yeah. You just changed the measure. Yeah. And I will say the great thing for 6mm is like you can buy an Italian division. That gives you an HQ, 4 Battalion HQ, 24 companies, um of each of of four figures advancing 24 companies of four figures firing one pioneer company four machine gun teams and eight 75 millimeter cannons for 26 pounds so basically about 35 bucks you you get a whole freaking army so that is the great thing about six millimeter the only problem is is you know you're gonna go blind trying to paint it no i'm just gonna spray paint everything one color (laughs) yeah there you go just um Whatever whatever their main color is, just yeah. Pssst, there I can you go. see that Done. though, because spearhead rules do scale up quite a bit to to allow you to do some large uh, interact uh, some large battles, but that would be painful. Man, I'm trying to imagine spearhead with more units on the board, and it would take a long time to get through. So yeah, but I guess if you're uh-huh. I guess if you're into Italians and you want to do the eleventh battle of the Asanzo River. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Look at you dropping knowledge. <laughs> That's what you go here for. I think uh-huh. the Italians Done. and the Austrians, all they ever did was fight over that one river. <laughs> hmm. 
Well, uh, I guess that brings us to the uh, the end of the show. I know you guys waited a long time. We appreciate your patience. Hopefully, I'll have this all nice and um, wrapped up and edited tomorrow and posted. It'll be fun. I can do it while I'm re- uh, in the hospital recovering from Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, there we go. And I guess I honestly think we're going to record again in a week. You know, just kind of get back on schedule or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not super serious about this, but we do want you to tune in for uh, the contest that may or may not start. I'm pretty sure it will start next. Uh, oh yeah, we didn't week. Did we uh, pimp that? We teased it. Well, yeah, okay. we talked. We talked right. about it. We talked about it. We just did. a teaser. Oh, uh, just a tease. You know, just talk to us next time, and um, you gotta listen. We'll see. When something cool and 3D printed. And then we're going to continue talking about uh, Dice Tower Con as we move forward and draw up our plans. And we would, if you want to, you know, if you've got a game or you want to hang out or whatever, you know, just see us. What does Richard really look like, you know? It changes day is, to day. Is, is Roy just a voice he does, you know? Uh, yeah, you, you just drop us a line at chanceofgaming at gmail.com and we'll, we'll meet up with you there. And uh, maybe you can get our anti-child-burning T-shirts that we'll have printed up for Tom. If, maybe if I give Tom one, would he let me, you know, stay? I don't know. You know, we'll if see. he refuses it, it must mean that he is pro-child-burning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just got to notice my ticket was canceled. <laughs> yeah. I'll get, no, I'll get that tomorrow when he listens to it. Oh, man, we're just kidding, Tom. It's all right. Don't, don't be crazy. Your hat's cool, man. I don't mean what I say. We'll just see. All right. Yeah, we can we can interview and we'll just drop that on our surprise question. How do you feel about burning children alive? <laughs> Pro or anti? Let's stop it. Yes. Let's stop this show before it goes continuing off the rails. Uh, so uh, Roy, you can visit at Roy Toy Cow- Roy Toy Cowboy on Twitter, and uh, you can catch Rich. At the STO Wargamers, um, their monthly game. When is the next one? Uh, we're pushing it back a week in May because I have my daughter's graduation. So May 25th. It's usually the third Saturday of the month. We're going to do it May 25th in May. And I don't know what we're playing yet, but come and we'll play something. All right, cool. Sounds I think cool. in June and, we'll probably uh, do some D-Day stuff, but in May it's wide open. So, yeah, hopefully we'll hear more and this that and the other hopefully I, you know that's the thing you need to come to dice tower con to see if i actually get my t-shirt not the child burning one my asl t-shirt i've been talking about for six months at least or nine months whenever it was I, i'll actually be able to order another one by the time we actually get around yeah to it. i won't be going to that tournament this year though <laughs> i'm gonna complicate things by ordering a t-shirt that you have to pick up <laughs> so we'll be picking up two then and you'll yeah. get them next year at Dice Tower Con. Yes. <laughs> and then, Adam, you're on Twitter at Chance of Gaming? <laughs> yeah, at Chance all of right. Gaming, all one word. And I'm relatively active. At least I am when I'm tagged and stuff, you know, in it. So, there you go. All right. So, uh, good night, people, and uh, see you later. Let's go, Blues. I'm my own grandpa. 